we're talking about how to discover God's plan and purpose for your life. And if you, we teach precept upon precept here, and, and not only in these service, this service, but also if you were to come to Sunday service, you're going to see an overlap because how you discover God's plan and purpose for your life is by being led by the Holy Spirit. He is the revealer. So we're going to go over even some same scriptures, but we're going to go over them a little bit differently. And we're going to talk about some principles tonight, guys. You're going to learn how to literally walk out God's plan for your life and how to literally get over, get over yourself so that you can do that. Because the Bible, as we've seen in other weeks, this is week three in this, we can't, our eye can't see God's plan for our life. The Bible says our ear can't even hear it. It's not even entered into our mind. The incredible things that God has prepared for those that love him. Jeremiah 10, 23 literally says in the Old Testament, it says pretty much the same thing. It says it is not in man that walks or every living person on the earth. It's not in us to order our own steps. God has ordered your steps. Is that amazing? And Jesus came to give you the God quality of life so his steps are life, their health, their increase, their joy, their peace. In every arena, the power of God the dominating power of God will turn every circumstance, every situation to come in line with Zoe life as you walk this out in your life. Isn't that good news? It's, we started out, and, and I would encourage you, these are, this, these are uh, teachings that you want to go listen to, outline, underline in your Bible. You want to meditate on these scriptures so that the truth of them will explode right? So in Psalm 37, 4, this is a foundational piece. Mom is back there going, oh man, why did you give that gift already? <laughs> right? That's all right. They're, they're working it out. They're growing. See, what's really cool about kids is they could totally be arguing and still get something spiritually. They're not like adults. You know, we have so, we're so developed that we just, we're somewhere else and we miss some stuff, Right? I remember we had one young girl in our youth group here at church when Jeanette and I led our youth group. She would sit there, man, she'd be doing three other things, and she could still quote every scripture that I went through. I mean, it was so, so amazing, Maddie, yeah, just, it was just hilarious. We're like, okay, you're, you could probably teach this now, and it looked like you were texting every friend you have or something, Why? Right? You know, it was amazing. So, Pastor Mark, you youth pastor, leader types, be encouraged by that. Amen. Psalm 37, 4. Psalm 37, 4, so foundational. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself, or it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. This word desires, D and sire, of the Father. The yearnings, the cravings, the longings of your heart. Not something you need, it's something that you desire. That you have to have because you want it. And we said this, God, his will comes into your heart in the form of his word. But his, his will comes out of your heart in the form of desires. And every true desire from him, these are expressions of his plan and will and purpose for your life. So, the, you know how I, I grew up in a denomination that would teach, man, don't ever say you don't want to go on the mission field because you'll have to go on the mission field. Listen, if your path is to go on the mission field, wherever you go, you will love it. It'll be your home. Why? Because there's going to be desires there. So this is a great scripture. 
It tells us that all desires come from God as a result of us delighting in him. We define this word as to make God the source of your joy, your pleasure, and your satisfaction. He's the source. This word, at its very foundation, gives us a picture. It literally means to be pliable. In other words, the word literally means to be pliable enough to make God the source of your joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. They're all expressions of his will for your life. We made this statement, and this is such a key statement. We said if you desire towards God, you'll have desires from God. Never forget that. That's a foundation. And then we finished up by talking about this, that delighting in the Lord is delighting in his word. You'll never be able to separate God from his word. And how you know God is through his word. The Holy Spirit will reveal everything that you are to do on this earth. Everything that will turn you on beyond anything you could even imagine will be revealed as the Holy Spirit opens up the word of God to you. It's amazing. This life as a child of God is amazing. We said this, that when we look at desires, what are we talking about? Because the Bible talks about, it says thorny ground. Remember in Mark chapter 4, it says that Satan doesn't steal the word from thorny ground. It says that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word of God. This is where most Christians are at. Satan's not even stealing the word from them. There, it, but this word desire for other things, it's, it's, it's literally, it, it, it literally means it's the lust of other things, but it's just simply a desire. And, and here it is, it's a counterfeit desire. Every true desire comes from God. But here's the thing, you'll have, the enemy will throw thoughts to try to ignite your flesh and you'll think that's a desire but no that's just an emotion that's just your flesh you'll have some own ideas of some things that you want to do i was sure when i was 20 years old and god called well actually when i was 18 years old and god called me to pastor i knew when i was 18 years old i didn't know what really you did as a pastor i just knew i was called to do that and I was thoroughly convinced, because see, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Chicago and in other towns in Illinois, moved out to Southern California as a young man, and just fell in love, as a teenager, fell in love with Southern California, fell in love with the ocean, was totally convinced I would pioneer a church about four miles inland from Laguna Beach or Laguna Niguel area, and that would be, it would be awesome. You know, I was thoroughly convinced I'd save office space. Man, I could just have a sanctuary because my office, I'd just have a little table down at the beach, right? It's heavenly. You couldn't drag me back there to pioneer a church. Why? Because every desire of my heart is to see God move in Omaha and the surrounding communities. Does that mean I love winter? No. I love winter on a mountain. When you're two and a half hours away and you look and go, oh, there's snow on the mountain. <laughs> when you're standing in 72, 74 degree weather with no bugs and no humidity. Amen. You know, that's, that's winter. That's awesome, right? Or when you just can go up, you drive 100 miles, you ski till noon, and then you have enough of this nonsense snow, and then you come back down the mountain and go to the beach in the afternoon. But you couldn't drag me back there. Why? Because I love, more than I love the Pacific Ocean. If I never saw the Pacific Ocean again, it would be okay. But I don't want to live one second of my life out of the center of God's will. 
There's nothing that compares to that. So I stay pliable, and so I meditate on the word so that I make him the source of my joy, my pleasure, and my satisfaction. Every desire from God, this is how you can tell, is it a desire from God, or is it my own idea, or is it the devil's counterfeits? Every desire from God will help others, will further the kingdom of God, and will help and increase me, everyone. If, if it doesn't help others, if it doesn't advance the kingdom of God, if it's not a help to me, it is not a desire from God. Now I gotta tell you, here's what happens when you stop desiring things from God. Man, you could desire a boat. All of a sudden, you're seeking first the kingdom, you're meditating in the word, you're seeking first the kingdom, and all of a sudden, this desire comes up for a new boat. And you're thinking, does God care if I have a boat? Man, he'll ask you what kind of boat you want. And then he'll give you the best deal, and he'll, or he'll bring it into your life. He'll do everything. But if you don't keep delighting in him, all of a sudden, that thing that God wanted just to bless you, all of a sudden, you're not coming to church on Sunday because you got to be on your boat, right? Or God blesses you with a cabin and we never see you again and you're no longer a viable part. It's not helping you anymore because you're not fulfilling the plan of God for your life. Pretty soon you're more concerned about the boat or the cabin or the car. You're spending so much time that, oh my gosh, I spent... I spent six hours this week on my car making sure it was perfectly clean and I spent 15 minutes in the Word. Guess what? That's not helping you. So we got to be careful with these things. God does not care if you have things. And all of you who hate the prosperity message, get over yourself because that's not me saying it. God doesn't care if you have things. He just doesn't want any of those things to have you. And if you're listening to a prosperity message that gets you all riled up about things, it's probably not 100% accurate because we can't attain things from God as we pursue the things. We pursue him and he adds everything, right? So every desire from God, it'll help others, it'll further the kingdom, and it'll help you. It'll help you what? Grow and mature in your knowledge of him so that you get to know him and walk intimately with him because he loves you. So now let's go to a scripture. We actually spent some time on this Sunday. We're gonna, but this is a key. We're gonna, Romans chapter 12 in the first six to eight verses really lay out a key on finding God's Plan, purpose for your life. So go to Romans 12, 1, and we start to, we're, we're going to start going down the road now from how do I get from where I am at to delighting in the Lord? Because I got to tell you, it took me over a year of meditating in that scripture, Psalm 37, 4. I would say it over and over and over every time it came up in my heart. And the Holy Spirit would bring it up to me several times every day. It took me over a year. I mean, I would literally, I would literally, it, I got so stirred about it. I would even, when I would start to say it, when I would even think and see the number 37-4 in my heart, I'd get teary-eyed. and I. But my mind would be like, you have no idea what you're even saying. But I was starting, what was happening is the Holy Spirit was opening it up, and that light from the Word, it was starting to dawn on my spirit. And, and I just would get excited about it, but it took probably 10 months to get excited. For the first 10 months, I was just sitting here going, oh my gosh, what in the world am I even saying? But I knew it was the Lord. But that started going off in me. And all of a sudden, I went from getting excited about it to seeing myself. I would see myself being molded. I would see, 
I would see the water of the Holy Spirit coming into some hard clay and just making it softer and pliable. He was molding me so I would delight in him. He was molding me. I, I, I could see down in my spirit that Jesus would take some tools and shave some things off and I would see myself walking free from some things in my life that were stopping me. He would show me things that I didn't even know were stopping me. Words that I was speaking over myself, that I was speaking death over myself. That all of a sudden, I mean, I'm, I start cursing these words. I didn't even have a mental recollection that I had spoken that, but the minute it came out of my spirit, I saw it. Man, I've been speaking this over myself. And then all of a sudden, a freshness would come. What was happening, and every bit of it, as he would carve a little off and make me a little more pliable, about the 12th to 13th month, I'm just like, wow, I know what, it's, what it means to delight in the Lord. Could I explain it to people? Not really. But I could tell because desires, real desires started coming up. The first real desire that came out of my heart was for his word. And I thought I was desiring his word until his desire came up for his word. I can hardly talk about it. Wasn't even planning to tonight. But this happened to me and it changed my life. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, through about verse 6 to verse 8, we're going to go on a journey and we're going to really take our time and we're going to talk to you about how you can go from right where you are to delighting in the Lord, not in 12 or 13 months. You can start the process tonight and go very, very, a lot faster. I got to tell you, now this would be considered a word of prophecy. This is exploding in my, in my heart. The Lord would say to you tonight, this is a time and a season and a day and an hour where spiritual things will be multiplied faster than they've ever been in the history of the church. So receive from the Spirit of God. Revelation will flow off the pages of the Word. The hungrier you are, the more it will flow. The more you ask, the more you will receive. And you have an unlimited capacity to receive because you are an unlimited vine that is connected to an unlimited branch, says the Spirit of the Lord. So get ready for that. This is so important. Revelation. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Hallelujah. Paul is saying to the Roman Christians, a Gentile church who were under great persecution... These Christians were being martyred. They were being marched into the Colosseum and they were saying, okay, proclaim Caesar as God or you're going to be fed to lions. History tells us that they went in praising God as the lions devoured them. Hebrews tells us that this world was not even worthy of them. I've never been there yet, but the Roman Colosseum, I understand you could still see the bloodstains of the saints in the foundational areas of that, of that Colosseum. Women were taken who would not deny Christ and they were raped in front of people in theaters, Christians. This is who Paul was talking to. And I gotta tell you guys, you and I are more than conquerors. We understand, we have 2,000 years of authority Revelation on the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. These early Christians didn't have that. I'm telling you, we're going to walk where it says no man, Jesus said no man takes my life. I lay it down. I got to tell you, those Roman guards did not kill Jesus when he was crucified. It said that he lowered his head and gave up his spirit. It said of when, when Paul, okay, I'm, I'm going blank here. Who was, who was martyred? Stephen. When Stephen was martyred, 
He didn't die the normal death. It said when they began to stone him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he bowed his head and went to sleep. Wow. He gave up his spirit. Get ready. Learn this phrase. No man takes my life. Right? Because I got to tell you, we're Psalm 91 Christians. Hallelujah. Now, if he wants me to lay it down, I'll lay it down in a minute. Man, on the other side of laying it down is Jesus. I'm getting more and more excited about seeing him every moment of every day. But I'm not going to leave this planet early. Not early. I'm going to yield all my fruit in my season just like you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Gosh, you know, you guys, you come to church all hungry, and I cannot get very far because you keep pulling stuff out of me. I love every minute of it. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul, look at the way he's talking to his brothers. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Many translations will, will, will say spiritual worship. The reason why it's translated that way, that's accurate. It's the thing that you reckon to be true. But he says, I beseech you, See, Paul was calling these Roman Christians out. The Spirit of God is saying the same thing to us tonight. He's calling us out to be separate from the world. The days of the church looking like the world in their behavior, is, is, it's, it's ended. As, as we are moving forward at the end of this age, you're going to see a big distinction the children of God are going to rise up and be lights in this world as we have never seen before. That's us. He said, present your bodies. Notice, this Greek word means to yield. To yield your body in a spirit of sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service this greek phrase not only means the thing that you reckon to be true but it means a lot the, the greek word literally means a logical progression present your body a living holy sacrifice acceptable unto god because that is the logical progression paul is telling these christians this is the logical progression well, in order for it to be a logical progression for them, they have to know some things. They have to reckon themselves to be dead to sin. In order for you and I to present our bodies, see, you're not a body, right? You're a spirit. In order for me, the spirit man, to present my body a living and holy sacrifice, I have to literally know, know from the word of God, I need to be able to reckon. That means to literally calculate. It's an accounting term. I need to be able to count something. And the thing that I need to count is that I, the spirit man, am dead to the sin nature. I can't be a living sacrifice unless I know that I know that I know that I am dead to the sin nature, and therefore, I am dead to sin. I have to know that my spirit man, who I am, can't even sin. That when I do sinful or unrighteous behavior, it literally is because a part of my unrenewed mind is now siding with the sin nature that reigns still in my flesh. And it causes me to do a behavior that I don't want to do. So I have to be able to reckon myself dead to the sin nature in order to make sure I keep that body thrown up there on the altar 
And I'm telling my body, listen, this is what we're not saying that, we're not doing that, we're doing this. Right? So that we stop looking like the world. You know the number one thing we do to look like the world? You want to know what it is? Everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, it's probably sleeping around and doing, no, no, no. You know what it is? It's judging and gossiping. Restaurants are starting to open up. Now, it's kind of cool because there's, there's not very many people in there, but you know, while you're sitting there, I'm always praying for the restaurant because I'm like, man, I really like this breakfast, and if more people don't get out there and go to restaurants, I might not have this restaurant anymore, right? But once they fill up a little more, man, I was at a restaurant today, and uh, th there was just me, and there were just two young girls in there, probably early 20s. I could hear their conversation all the way across. I mean, they were loud. They were like, they were like Pastor Dave and Pastor Tony loud when we go to a restaurant. Everybody knows what we're talking about, right? But they're talking about grad school and this and that, and they're just gossiping and judging about every other friend that they have. And I'm sitting there laughing because I'm like, you know, that's what. Talk to the world about what they think about the church. Oh, I don't want to go to church. Why? Oh, they just judge everybody there. But we're not that way. That's right? A amen? That's just our flesh. But, we, but when we call ourselves dead to sin, we could present our body a living sacrifice, and I'm no longer out to beat anybody up with the Bible. I'm not even trying to push anybody into salvation. I'm constantly wooing people. And if the door's shut, I walk away smiling, pray for it to be open to somebody else. Right? And if the door opens up and I'm sharing the gospel and then I sense a pullback, I immediately stop. It's okay. Because I'm going to leave. I'm going to feel good. And when I leave, that same thing that we talked about is going to keep rolling around within their heart. Because the word never comes back void. Spiritual worship, what I reckon to be true. So I've got to reckon some things. See, it's a logical progression once I know that I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease, that Jesus himself bore my sickness, carried my pain, and with his stripes I was healed almost 2,000 years ago. He bore it all on the cross. Once I know that, it's a logical progression that if I have symptoms in my body to go, no, no, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And sickness, you got to get out of my body. you got to bow to the word of God. But if I don't know that, it's not logical for me to think that I'm healed when my body's hurting. But when I know the truth of God's word, it's logical for me to go, oh yeah, of course. And man, you could be in the middle of a death sentence and rejoice and go, oh yeah, I already know. I know the end of the story. Yeah, but the doctor says the tumor's growing. I don't care. Because God said, I'm healed. Right? But I got to know that, right? Even when my bank account's empty, I know I'll still pay every bill on time and have more than enough when I reckon some things and I realize what God's word says about his provision for my life. So what do I have to reckon? See, I have to know some principles of faith and know what the word says in order to reckon myself to be dead to sin. We're to yield our bodies as dead to sin and alive to God. In other words, we are to live like we're dead. That's exciting. Right? Not, not like these ridiculous, I've never watched one, I can't even stand the commercials. That's why Jeanette and I, don't, we just don't watch TV. We finally got smart enough to throw, stop throwing money away on cable. We're like, why do we have cable? We never watch it, right? I think the only reason for cable was football or basketball, but there's none of that now. And then there's YouTube TV, which is a lot cheaper, right? But, but we're to live, not, not like a zombie which is ugly, and no, 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 no. We live, we live like living, dead, spiritual people that leave a fragrance of the knowledge of God, that when we walk in a place, it becomes the kingdom of God, where people can sense 
not the judgment of God. They get enough of that in the world. I mean, Satan's the accuser. No, they sense the love of God. They sense this. What is that feeling? Why do I feel so good when you come in this place of business? It's because of who's, who's in us. You make a one-time decision of this in your life, and then you walk it out every moment of every day that I am going to present my body a living and holy, a sanctified, just a living and holy sacrifice. I no longer do what my body wants me to do. My body's not my driver. No, no, I drive my body. Right? This is the way we live. You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ and then reckoning yourself dead to sin, which is your reasonable service or logical progression. You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ and then you reckon yourself to be dead to sin. That's how you're a living sacrifice. How many of you have been hearing about Romans 12.1 for decades, but nobody's ever really explained what that means? Beat your flesh black and blue continually. Okay, that's great. What, what does that mean in the day-to-day -day life? Because what we do when we just read that phrase, we start trying to overcome the symptoms Instead of, now get this, this is revelation. How do I, how do, I do Romans 12.1? I have to yield, yield my body. How do I do that? By telling it we're not going to lie, we're not going to, no, no, no. I yield my body by knowing who I am in Christ. In other words, if I'm not fixing my eyes on Jesus and who I am in him, I can't do this. I can't yield my body. I'll be trying to overcome some sin habit that's been eating my lunch for 30 years and all the guilt, shame, and condemnation that comes with it. Does that make sense? This is what we call rightly dividing the word of God. So this is how we become a living sacrifice. This is how you and I live a sanctified life. This is a life that is set apart for the master's use. We yield our flesh by knowing who we are in Christ. And then we reckon our, our, ourselves to be literally dead to sin and alive to God. This is how we do it. See, this is why Satan will try to ignite your flesh. He'll throw thoughts in your mind to ignite emotions to get you to want to do something that's contrary to the word of God. Why? So that you will not present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Do you know when you're not submitting your body a living and holy sacrifice? You know what that means? It means that you don't have revelation knowledge that you're dead to sin and you're not knowing who you are in Christ. That's the real issue. And this is always how Satan comes first. He did it with Jesus. He does it with you and I. Jesus, if you be the Son of God, he comes against our identity every time. Romans 12, verse 2, will show us how to do this. How do I, how do I reckon my body a living sacrifice? How do I yield my members a living sacrifice? Romans 12, 2 tells us how. It says, and be not conformed to this world. That means don't be pressed into the mold of the world. Know this, if you're on the earth, the goal is that the world system, where Satan is ahead of it, will try to push and press you to look just like somebody who does not know God. Romans 12, 2 tells us we don't have to ever be conformed to the world. Notice we're in control. It says it right there. And be not conformed to this world. 
That means you and I get to choose this. It says, but be transformed. It's the Greek word metamorpho. Jesus was transformed, same Greek word, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. What was, who he was on the inside showed on the outside. It says that his raiment shined brighter than the sun. They saw the actual glory of who he was. Metamorpho. The Bible is telling us, be transformed. Show on the outside who you are in Christ on the inside. How do I do that? By the renewing of your mind. In other words, your mind is the control center. It's part of your soulish realm. In order for you to show on the outside, and guess who sees that first? You do. Every problem that's keeping Christians from receiving all that God has for them, it's because they don't see who they really are. They're trying to overcome things that they can't overcome. They were never designed to overcome them alone. They were designed to do everything with Jesus to be strong in him. To literally allow the power that is in the word of God to eradicate be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, his, his ability. Be strong in the Lord. Be constantly strengthened inwardly in the Lord. You could say it this way. Be constantly strengthened inwardly in the Word. The Word strengthens us. How strong are we? How strong is the Word? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be changed be transfigured by the renewing. This word renewing means by the renovation of your mind. The renovation. That means the word of God will literally go in and tear out all the old way you thought and replant and relay everything so that you start thinking in line with who you are in Christ. Our minds must be renovated. And how long is that process? This is the cool thing. It's from glory to glory to glory. It's progressive. It's our whole life on this earth. But here's the thing. Start the process and you'll walk in victory. Because, listen, God will renovate every part of your mind as you walk down the path. Don't worry about those other areas. Just work out what he's working in and you'll be okay. You will walk in Zoe life by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. This means determine by experience what is that good, acceptable, and perfect, not wills, but will of God. God's will for you, does, it's described in three adjectives. Good, acceptable, and perfect. Why? It's because you walk out the will of God progressively. It's not three different wills. It's, it grows. It's good. It's acceptable. And it grows to be perfect. The word good literally means morally excellent. So in other words, as you're walking out God's plan for your life, the word of God will first, it'll make you morally excellent. In other words, It'll make you live your life like you're a dead man. To present your body a living sacrifice. The word does that. You don't have to do that. Present yourself, Paul says. Yeah, how do I do that? By letting the word do it. I just simply have to be willing. Be obedient and let the word do the work. Then you go on to acceptable. That means well-pleasing in his sight. And you keep going, and now you're walking in the perfect or the complete will of God. Not three wills, three adjectives that describes his will for your life and all the many facets of, his life, of, of what he has for you. In other words, the renewing of your mind will literally cause your nature 
the nature of your spirit, which is the nature you got from your father, to come out. It causes the fruit of your spirit to come out and be shown on the outside. Paul is saying, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the renewing of your mind is the key to walking in victory. It's the key to being led by the Spirit of God. It's the key to discovering God's plan and purpose for your life. In other words, so what do I do? Whatever the Holy Spirit starts stirring you, all of a sudden, a problem, something comes up in your life, he will never work on more than one area at once. Just work on the area that he's working in, right? Don't worry about the other areas you see that you'll be okay. He, he'll, he has your back. But what you do is you find the answer with two or three scriptures in God's word. And then you meditate in it and renew your mind to it. And that's how you walk in victory. I find my answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it. And then I walk in victory. I find the answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it. And I walk in victory. Say that with me. I find my answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it. And I walk in victory. Say that again. I find my answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it. And then I walk in victory. How simple is that? The word does all the work. See, why are we saying this? It's not enough to read the word. You have to feed on the word. So yeah, read your chapter every day. We're going through the New Testament. Minimum. Read more than that. But man, when a scripture hits you, write that scripture down. Put it in your phone. Say it over and over and over again. That's the Holy Spirit going, hey, I want to bring revelation of this to you. I want you to renew your mind to this because it's going to cause you to walk in victory. It's your answer. And sometimes the word, it won't, you won't, you'll sit here and go, that doesn't seem like that would be my answer. Don't worry about that. When that jumps off the page, you just start, you start renewing your mind to it. So whenever the Holy Spirit is showcasing the word of God, it's, it's literally to get you into walking out the victory that Jesus already paid for. Does that make sense? This is why all hell will try to keep you away from where you're to be taught the word of God. It'll try to keep you away from reading the Bible. Do you notice how sometimes how hard it is to read the Bible? Right? How hard it is to speak the word. Why? Well, there's, there, there's enemies. They're trying to press you into the mold of the world, and they can't do that if you're speaking the word or reading the word. Hallelujah. So let's keep going. You must get God's word down on the inside of you. Why? So that you can reckon yourself to be who the word says you are. Do you know how many people fight depression? Do you know how many people never move in their life because they refuse? They've seen it, but they just, they're just like, you don't understand I don't feel good, so I know what the Word says, but I'm going to sit here, and I'm just not going to walk in it. And you can't move that way. You're going to have to do this. You've got to get the Word down on the inside of you so that you can reckon yourself to be who the Word says you are instead of who the world is trying to tell you you are. So you've got two dynamics going on here. The question is, are you going to be pressed into the mold of the world from all the emotions of everything coming from the outside, or are you going to be renewed from the inside so your life is transformed? That's what we're talking. That's, that's the game. We're not to be ever be moved from the outside. And the outside feels so real. I'm telling you, 
He will, you, you can change. You could be in the middle of despair and step right into victory by speaking the life-giving, full of power word of God. You and I decide. Satan doesn't decide. Your past doesn't define you. I don't care how you've been abused in any way. It does not define you. Circumstances that may have happened in your life, defeats that you, mistakes that you've made, you could, we can go on and on and on. That doesn't define you. God, your creator who created you, defines you. His word is forever settled. How you feel probably is going to change about every 20 seconds. Does that make, thank God. Thank God for that. You enter into God's perfect will by degrees because the renewing of your mind is a process. You've heard me say this. I remember when the Lord said this to me. Tony, I progressively develop my children. Tony, I'm progressively developing you. But God, I just want to know everything. I don't even, eternity's not long enough to know everything about him. But we can enjoy the journey. Paul is talking about the progression of walking in the will of God as you renew your mind to the word of God. That's what he's saying. He's saying, present your bodies. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin. Present your bodies a living sacrifice and then don't let yourself be pressed into the mold of the world, but be transformed by the renovation of your mind so that you can walk in a revelation knowledge of the word as you progressively walk out God's will for your life. That's exactly what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is saying. And we've got we've to meditate in that so that we see and know it. The difference between being conformed to the world and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, the difference is who is going to change you? Are you going to let yourself from the outside be, are you going to let a circumstance, a person, a situation press you into the mold of the world? Or are you going to let the word of God lead you and cause transformation in your thinking so that you become a brand new person and you walk in the will of God? Are you going to let the pressure from the outside control your life or God's word on the inside? That's literally what this is saying. Now think about it just for a moment. Every area of your life. Can, can you even see the battle tonight? Every area. Just start thinking of your life. You could sit here and go, yeah, God's word says this. And then this is, what, this is what all my circumstances, people, situations, my past is trying. It's all, we don't, we don't give ear to that. Isn't that right? How do we do that? See, God made your mind wonderful. To stop thinking about one thing, all you got to do is start thinking about something else. So if you want to stop thinking about all this junk in your life right now, just start thinking about what he's doing in you, what he's provided for you, and start speaking that out of your mouth, and it'll change everything. It's like you step into a whole new place. Being conformed to the world means the outside pressure of the world is trying to fit you into the world's mold. And I could tell you this, the world's mold is going to be pride, selfishness, self-centeredness, Right? Everything that all these things produce fear, they produce guilt, shame, condemnation, all of it. It's designed that way. Spiritual growth happens. Boy, I would write this down. Spiritual growth happens when you align your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions with what you already know in your spirit from God's word. How do I grow spiritually? When I align my soul with the revelation knowledge that I already possess from God's word in my spirit. That's how I grow spiritually. 
how am I going to grow from being afraid in a situation to being fearless? I get the word of God. I renew, I find my answer in the word of God. I renew my mind to it, and then I walk in victory. Right? In other words, I grow spiritually. I'm now aligning what I believe in my mind with what the revelation of God's word in my heart is. So a person who is flesh ruled, they just haven't started that process. All they're doing, even though they're born again, Satan literally is controlling their life because they're living outwardly. Because here is the question, right? If I'm perfect on the inside, then why do I not live perfect on the outside? It's got to be the question, isn't it? Pastor, if, I'm, if, if my spirit can't even sin and I'm perfect, who I am is perfect, then why is my life a mess on the outside? Here's your answer. Because I haven't done anything with my soul that connects me to the outside. That's it. I must renew my mind to God's word so that I'm living outside the way I'm living inside. Isn't that amazing? Christians beat themselves up for how horrible they are because of what they've done when all the time, all they have to do is start doing something with their mind. Start renewing your mind with the word of God because that is how you operate on the outside. It's through your soul. So you renew your mind to where now I align my soul with the revelation knowledge I have in my heart of the word and I grow spiritually. And all of a sudden, things that were eating my lunch, the sin that always I could never seem to overcome, this poor self-image that I'm worked on for my whole life, all of a sudden is gone. Well, what happened to it? The word pulled it out. It renovated it. It pulled that detrimental thought process right out of your mind, and you went from bound to, oh, wait, I'm not bound. I'm free. Right. Oh, my gosh. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. No, no, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a world overcomer. Wow. I see it on the inside. Boy, I was hoping to get a little further, but, you know, we got some rich stuff tonight, didn't we?